So good to have all of you here. Um, those of you that are watching online, those of you that are actually here in service, it, uh, it's so different having people here after like eight weeks of no people. At first it was kind of weird with no people, and, uh, and now it's kind of weird with people, but we're glad that you all are back, so uh, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, as you guys walk in today, what I, I want you to do is uh, I want you to think about the things that are sitting around your house, maybe things that... Um, you know, you don't leave your house without, right? I'm not sure what it might be, but what is your most important possession, right? Like that thing that you've got to have, right? That thing that before you ever knew it existed, your life was just not complete, right? And, and you didn't even know it, but now that it's there, it's like, man, life has taken on a whole new meaning, right? Now, if some of you guys know me, you know, for me, um, I love food, and uh, it's one of the things that I just, I just absolutely love it. And, and honestly, like, I can't remember my life without Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, I don't even know what life was like before Chick-fil-A. Was it even worth living before Chick-fil-A, right? For some of you, um, we're about 119 days today away from Steelers taking the field. And I know some of you are probably really excited about that, especially after nothing going on for the last uh, few weeks. But what is it? Right? What is that thing in your life that every day you would say, you know what, man, this is just so important to me. You know, I don't remember my life prior to having this or that, but man, it's got to be in my life right now. Jesus is telling a couple of parables in Matthew chapter 13 that have to do with this. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a, in a series on the parables of Jesus. But these, this, these uh, particular parables that Jesus is talking about today that we're going to be getting into are kind of on the heels of the parable of the soils. And if you've never read those parables, I'd urge you to go this week in, in, in your private time and, and just kind of read through those. But Jesus, in what we're going to cover today, is talking about his most popular subject, right? The thing that, that really Jesus cares about the most. And he does this in three successive stories in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to get to a couple of those today. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have them, it'll have it up on the screen. It's kind of weird turning around and seeing myself up there. Sorry. And uh, it'll be about Matthew chapter 13. Also, if you want to grab the Source Church app, we've got Scripture Bible in there as well, too. Uh, if you guys ever need a Bible, we've got some in the back also. Please grab one. But Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, here's what Jesus says. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy he went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Now let's just this morning, let's just consider this story for a few moments. First of all, let's just kind of take this story at face value, right? It's a very simple story. Really, when you think about it, I mean, this story is really kind of preposterous, right? It's kind of ridiculous. It would have been ridiculous uh, to the people who were listening to it on this day that Jesus was speaking it. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, another way that we sometimes hear it is the kingdom of God. It's his most talked about subject. Nothing was more important to him. And understand this, that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, a majority of the time that he's talking about this, he's not talking about like a far off city, right, that, that, that's uh, gonna come to earth someday, it's gonna descend and come to earth, or this city that are, you know, has streets of gold. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about a holy present reality. Right, it was, this, it, was, it was the centerpiece, right? It was the, the cornerstone. It was the focal point of his message on earth. It was a message that, that John the Baptist 
kicked off right before Jesus comes on the scene. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John the Baptist says this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. When Jesus began his ministry, right, one chapter later, as Matthew records it, it was the very first message in, in Jesus as he began to teach. In Matthew chapter 4, he says this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? And when he commissioned his disciples... It's the message that he gave his disciples. He says, guys, listen, here's my message. Go and preach it. And in Matthew chapter 10, here's what Jesus says. He says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons freely. You have received, Jesus says, freely give. And to, so that, to, to say that something is, is in the scripture passage where it says the kingdom of heaven is near. So to say that something is near, or some of your translations might say at hand, Right, so to say that is basically say that it's right on top of you, right? That it's encompassing you, that it's enveloping you. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is a holy present reality. It's your right here, right now. In Luke chapter 17, some of the Pharisees are asking Jesus about his teaching. And he even uses this phrase seemingly to make the reference about himself. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says, The kingdom of God will not come with observable signs, nor will people say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for you see the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is in your midst. It's not a realm, right? It's not another place. And to say the kingdom of God means that it belongs to him. It means that he is in charge. It means that he is sovereign, so the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is wherever God, right, who has made himself known through the person of Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning and wherever he is in charge. That's the kingdom of heaven. The apostle Paul, he says it this way in Romans. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says now in this story that when you find it, right, when you find the, 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 the kingdom of God, it impacts everything. He says that nothing is of greater value or greater importance. Right? I mean, this story, again, it sounds preposterous, right? Set everything else aside for one thing. Now, I want you to imagine this for just a moment. You finally have gotten the opportunity, right? You've seen it. You've read about it. You've been anticipating it for years and years. And now, like, here it is, right? The iPhone 15, Costs about $125,000, but for a two-year plan, you can make it work out. You can make it happen, right? And you just, you just read about it. You just think about it, right? You've got to make this thing happen. You've got to get it. And so you go to your garage, and uh, you start with the kids' things, right? You leave your golf clubs alone, but you, you look over here, and you're like, man, how much can I get for that bike? He doesn't ride it much, so, you know, how much can I get for that? So you start with all the kids' things, right, in the garage, and then your wife leaves to go get some groceries, and you're thinking to yourself, man, what's in her part of the closet, right? So you go, you go to her closet, and you're like, man, let's go check that out for a second. You're going, man, I don't think she wears this anymore. She, she doesn't really need that. And so you start going through her things, and you start pulling all the things out that you think, man, you know, we, we, we can do without that, and we go and we sell it. And you take it to where you're going to sell it, and it's not enough. And so you come back and you, and you, and, and you, you know, you get rid of the t uh, kids' TVs in their rooms. You leave your TV there, but you get rid of all their TVs and you just start selling more and more stuff. And then, the, you know, you've got this heirloom dresser in your bedroom that you got from your great-grandmother. And it's amazing, right? It's beautiful. But you didn't know that woman. So you're like, man, how much can I get for that? Can I, can I sell that? And it goes on over and over and over again. And he keeps going until he finally has enough to get the treasure 
As Pastor John Piper, he says in describing this parable, he says it's a happy trade-off. Right? In his joy, he sells off everything that he has to get the treasure, to get the field where the treasure is. And Jesus is saying, look, it costs every, if it costs everything you have, it's worth it. I mean, this guy was walking through this field five minutes before he found it, right? He didn't know what he was missing. He had other possessions. He had other things in his life that he loved, yet he did not have the one thing that would satisfy the longing of his soul. If you've ever been in love, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm so thankful that I remember the moment where my, my wife came walking by me for the very first time. We were in high school at the time. I was in 10th grade. I think she was in 9th grade. We were in a Bible quizzing event over in Churchill at another church. And, and I remember we were playing release. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever played that game. It's kind of like a team game of tag, and there's a jail and all of that sort of stuff. But it was my job that night to guard the jail, right? So all the prisoners that the, my team brought back, I had to guard them. And it just so happened that she was in this jail with me. And uh, I remember uh, seeing her through all of this and thinking to myself, man, I would love to date her. Well, many years later, she would actually become my wife. But what I love remembering about that moment is that that moment put me on a journey to get that treasure, right? We, we didn't get engaged that day. It'd be years before that ever happened. We'd go on dates with other people. Life would continue on. But I knew that one day I wanted that treasure to be mine. If you're in here and you're a parent today, right, you can relate to this also. I didn't know what I was missing until my firstborn child came along. Then the second time and third time around, right? I mean, at that time, I thought I had everything that I need, but I didn't know what I was missing until my second and my third daughters were born. He cannot believe he found it. He cannot believe that someone just left it there, and so he hides it again to make sure that no one will take it from him this time and that he will not lose it. He now has absolutely nothing by the time he goes and sells everything, he has absolutely nothing, but yet he feels as though he has everything. Having nothing and yet having it all. I love the quote attributed to Jim Elliott. He was a missionary who lost his life taking the gospel to some natives in Ecuador. And he wrote this down in his journal before that ever happened, talking about his own life. And he considered it this way. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Right When you know what you've got, you treasure it above everything else. And consider what Jesus is saying here about the kingdom of heaven, right? That's what the, the story is about today. He's saying that the worth of having God ruling over you and being for you is far more valuable than anything else. Right? When you discover what it means to have God ruling and reigning in every area of your life, you will treasure that more than, more than anything and so the question today really is not what do you treasure most, but the question is what does it mean to have God ruling and reigning in your life, in every area of your life? Right? What, what does it mean to have God in charge of your home? Where, where are the areas where, where, where God is in charge versus the areas where you're in charge? You know, have you left yourself on the throne in some areas of your life? What's, what's distracting you? What's in the way? What, what role does God's word play in your life? What role does prayer play in your life? What role does the spirit of God play in your life? Is God on the throne of your finances? Are you looking to his word and looking to him? 
with how you work, with, with how you go to school and how you treat your neighbor and how you treat strangers and how you forgive others and the choices that you make about the, the purity of your mind, the purity of your heart and your hands and the way that you honor the purity of your body and the health of your body, which is called the temple of God. Where are you choosing every day? Are you choosing life or are you choosing death? Are you choosing his ways or are you choosing your ways? Are you choosing his kingdom come, his will be done, or is it yours? You see, life can be difficult, right? Tragedy will strike, but the teachings of Jesus say that when you give God his way, and he has his way in every area of our lives, that we can have hope and we can have joy in the midst of the tragic, or even the mundane every single day. Jesus goes on and he tells another story because he wants to make sure that we're really getting this. And he says this in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went away and sold all that he had and bought it. To say a pearl would have been like saying like one of the, the finest gems. And so now Jesus, here he is, right? He's comparing the kingdom of heaven to a merchant who's found something that he has got to have. I mean, this merchant buys and sells things all over the world, right? He goes from, from town to town to town. He's always on the lookout for treasure. He's, he's on the lookout for gems. And now he's come to this one part uh, port city and, and he's walking down the road and he's looking at these different shops and he goes into one shop and he sees just below the glass case, maybe in the back corner of the case. And he cannot believe that no one has seen this before now. He doesn't have any idea why anyone would have left it there. But he says to the shop owner, he says, how much for that? And they give him a price of the gem and he thinks, man, what do I have with me? How much money do I have from this trip? And he says to the shop owner, he says, just hold on, I'll be right back. And so this merchant, he goes back and he does the same thing that the first person of the first story does. And he starts selling everything that he's got and then he would come back and finally... After selling everything that he had, he'd be able to capture that treasure. Once again, according to the teaching that Jesus gives us, he would have such incredible joy. I mean, think about this for just a moment. Think about these folks that these stories are about. I mean, you could say that the merchant who sold everything in this town, he is now stuck in this town. Right? The person who sold everything in, in order to buy the field and the treasure in the field, all he can do right now is live in the field. It costs him everything, but it's completely worth it. Jesus would be talking about discipleship later on, and Matthew records it, and Jesus would say this, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Think about that statement from Jesus. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Sell all you have and follow me. He says everything else is, is secondary to me. It's no wonder why so many people walked away. It's no wonder so many people have decided over the years I cannot possibly follow him in the way that he wants me to. Even in the days that Jesus was speaking, I mean, rabbis have come and gone. Other leaders had, had come and gone. And they're thinking, who is this guy who makes everything about him, about his interpretation of Scripture, about a kingdom that is in this world yet not of it? Now, it's foolish to consider this parable just in its own context alone and to only be thinking about Jesus before the cross without thinking about Jesus after the cross, right? You see, when we can consider the side of the, the cross and it gives the parable even greater worth, and the Apostle Paul, when considering the worth, 
of following Jesus with everything that he had. He was considering it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and he said it this way, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is worthless and so is your faith. And so Paul says, look, if Jesus is not resurrected today, he says then none of this is worth it. He goes on in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If our hope in Christ is for this life alone, Paul says we are to be pitied more than all men, right? We're a laughing stock. If it's only death, that just means decay. It means it's all over, right? That's not treasure at all. Apostle Paul was making a, a larger point there, but in First Peter, Peter makes this point. He says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, it's all worth it today because our living hope, and his name is Jesus. Right, the kingdom treasure is, is partly present and it's partly future, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it can be wholly received and wholly lived out right now. See, the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning in your life right now. His reign in your life means that you've humbled yourself, that you've accepted his, his mercy when you deserved wrath. His reign in your life means that you have received unmerited yet the all-encompassing grace of God. You could never earn it on your very best day. His reign in your life means freedom from the punishment of sin, freedom from guilt, from shame, from the cage of addiction, freedom from past hurts and failures and eternal purpose and the glorious future of God. That's what the kingdom of heaven can mean in your life right now. The kingdom of heaven in your life means forgiveness that you extend to others. His reign in your life means that you've got the very presence of God through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And what does that produce in you? Patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness, self-control, joy and peace that you cannot produce on your own. You see, he has promised that all things will work together for your good and for his glory, no matter how painful. But because of the resurrection today, death has been defeated today and every day. And in the end, he will triumph over every evil and every pain and every sadness. He will wipe away every tear from every eye. The resurrection means that he is reigning now and he will reign forevermore. And he will share it all with us. And one day we will see it more clearly than we could have ever possibly imagined. Nothing could possibly be worth more than this. Nothing could possibly be worth more. Nothing could possibly give you the direction and the purpose and the victory in your life that you are longing for so much than this kingdom. It's worth everything you've got. It's a story about worth. It's a story about having the reign of Jesus, the kingdom of, of heaven in every area of your life. What does that mean for you today? See, the application is there, but, but we cannot look too hard for the application and skip the adoration today, right? We can't stand in obedience until we first stand in awe of what he has done for us by being our living hope. 
And I can promise you this today that no matter who you are, no matter what's in your past, no matter what's in your presence, no, no matter what brought you here today, that if you seek him, if you turn to him, he will find you. He will not deny you. And he will rule and reign in your life. He said it like this in, in Luke chapter 12. Luke records it this way. He says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. And he goes on to say, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. You see, that's for every single person watching today. That's for every single person in this room today, every single person on the planet. Father God has chosen gladly to extend the kingdom of heaven to you, to gladly rule and reign in your life. One author says it this way, says, step yourself in God reality. Be soaked in it. God initiative, God provisions, and you will find out that your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out on anything. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. You see, it's worth it. It's worth it. No matter what you have to put aside, no matter what you have to put down, no matter what you may have to give up today, the kingdom of heaven is found worth it, both now and certainly into eternity.